Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to All Worth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McLean. Glad you're with us today, both myself and my co-host. We're both financial advisors. Right there makes you excited, I know, because who doesn't want to hear from financial? I mean, where could you even meet a financial advisor, oh, no. right? I mean, you're not going to see them at like a friend's party or anything. They're not going to tell you. They're not going to give you a business card that turns into a sponge. <laughs> So, wow, the financial advisor is here. Oh, it's another financial <laughs> talk show. That's amazing. <laughs> That's right. Great. You've got to hear this. <laughs> I got to tell you, it seems to me, Pat, that most financial shows are not good at all. <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, ours, people may be thinking the same about ours. So we just started it. No, I mean, we're not, we're not, we're not pitching annuities or life insurance policies here. Okay, thanks. We we don't have a vested interest to try to sell someone a product. Yeah, we'd like it if you became a client of the firm, but that's not the the objective. That's part of the objective. We're totally okay. honest. Okay, that's right. part of it. So but, anyway, but our our point is, we, we want to make this a decent program. We both are practicing financial advisors, which means that we've got a lot of experience with this stuff, and um, we and come you- here every week to uh, help educate you and get you better. But we're not gonna. Anyway, we're just going to give you our advice. And if you want to call our firm, then call our firm. If you don't want to call the firm, don't call the firm. That's simple. Well, the interesting thing, when you hire, when someone hires a financial advisor, um, it it's not like a typical transaction where I'm buying a pair of t- a set of tires or something, right? You're, you're going to work with them for a long time, and you're going to expose parts of your life. That are very private. Extremely private. And it often goes both directions. You talk to a financial advisor, they're saying, you're saying, do I want to hire this person? Do I trust him? Do I trust her? Are they competent? The advisor's looking at you and thinking, well, that person followed my advice. Can I get this person to change this, this aspect of their finances? Will this person be respectful of my time, respectful of my staff? So it's typically, yeah, you might not realize it. But you're interviewing each other. You tend to be interviewing each other. And if you find yourself, by the way, talking to a financial advisor that you don't think, feel doesn't feel like they're going through that process and just trying to sell you something, that might be a sign like, move on. Why are they just trying to, why do they want me? They don't even know me and they're trying to talk me into becoming a client. How will they even know they're, they're going to like me as a client? Right? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I don't know why you started the show this way. Well, well, we, we did, did start this one. Anyway, we're going to take some calls uh, to join the program, 833-99-WORTH, 833-99-WORTH. And you might find a few of these calls we've got sprinkled in with some best of calls as well as our summer schedule is uh, happening. So we're talking with Chris in Colorado. Chris, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hi. Thanks for having me. Hi, Chris. Hi. So I had a question for you guys. By the way, I really enjoy your show. I Thank you. I when I'm exercising on Saturday morning. Oh, good. You do what? Yeah. When, when do you listen to well, it? Well, she's exercising. Oh, isn't that? I uh, love yeah, listening to the podcast when I exercise, when I bike ride. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely so love it. But I always learn something from you guys, so oh, I'm like really excited to be on here. Oh, good. Um, so here's my question. You know, I listen to a lot of people that call in, and they a lot of them are in way better financial shape than I am. I hear about their big pensions they're going to get and how much money they have saved. And, and we're not doing too bad, but um, I just wanted to ask your advice on um, pretty much all of our money is in retirement accounts. Okay. And we probably have, I'm 50, almost 57. And my husband is one year younger and we have about 1.1 between all of our retirement accounts. Okay. And um, our goal would be, um, we, we've always talked about this. Because by the way, Chris, by the way, Chris, if yeah. you look, if you look at the majority of Americans at 57 and 56, nowhere close. No, a matter close. of fact, the, I think the average 401k balance is uh, under $200,000. Yeah. So you're doing great. Yeah. You know, I, I feel good about it because there's always someone with you know. more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there is. There is. 
but you know, we're, and we're med- definitely middle class. And so I feel good about the fact that we've really socked down and saved. It's not easy but, so accumulating I'm, I'm that, that amount of money. Oh, I'm sorry. What was that? Oh, wait, it's not easy to accumulate that much money. It takes sacrifice. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know it does. It does. But so anyway, I'm a little nervous just because the stock markets are so high right now. And I just wanted to ask your advice on maybe um, right now we've been somewhat aggressive. We have like probably I looked over all of our accounts. We probably have about 75 percent in stocks and maybe only about 25 percent in bonds and other. If if we're wanting to retire, um, we want to retire a little earlier just because we both have parents that had poor health young and we want to enjoy life. Mm -hmm. And so like maybe in six to seven years. Are we being too aggressive there? Have you? Well, what, was your, what was your allocation a year ago? Uh, the same. How about same. three years ago? Um, I mean, have you rebalanced I, I, this? So even higher. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. We we probably had even a lot more in stock. Um, probably and, closer to ninety percent. And tell me what uh, your debt looks like. We only. Um, have just our home and we owe about maybe 120,000 on it. And what's the uh, value of the home? Probably about 450. And what's the interest rate? Uh, we just refinanced. So I think it's like 2.7 or something. Oh, like you that. are poster. You are such and you we did, we did 20 years because we actually made that bad decision when you're young. We refinanced a couple of times and yeah. took cash out. And did thirty years again, and I yeah. would yeah. have almost had it paid off by now. Well, we done that. And whatever. The, the, you, you you do a great job. <laughs> you, um, I don't think your allocation is too aggressive. So think about the, the investments are based on two things primarily. One is time horizon, how long you have before you need the dollars, and the second is your tolerance for risk, your ability to withstand the ups and downs in the market. And what we know historically, over long periods of time, owning those companies that produce things, owning the large companies in the United States, the smaller companies in the United States, owning companies, owning stocks, have produced a return much higher than just about any other asset class. Broadly diversified done about six percentage points above that of inflation over the long period of time. Over the short period of time, it's anyone's guess. Matter of fact, historically, about one out of every three years, the market finishes negative. About one out of every three years. I guess I remember how devastated we were, and I think it was like 08 or whatever. And what did you do? We lost so much money. What did you do? I thought, oh, my gosh. Well, I was stupid. I, I kind of panicked a little bit and, and went more conservative. Okay. And then, of course, All right. when everything rebounded, then I, I didn't get the game. That's right. So okay. I didn't panic in 2020. So that was good. I'm gonna, I, I, I left it alone. I'm going to restate uh, I said earlier that you were good. I, I, I'm going to change. <laughs> well, I'm going to change. Here's what I would do. If you were think my. About it. Here's the, wait, I want you to think. Chris, Chris, if you were my little sister, this is what I would tell you. I would amortize that mortgage over the next seven years and pay it down. So the day you retire, the home is paid off. Assuming you're going to stay in that house or that area. Right. So that's number one. So I forget what the length of the mortgage is. I would just go to a financial calculator, put in my remaining balance and figure out what the monthly payments will be. So that the day I retire, the home is paid off. And the second thing I would do is I'd rebalance this portfolio to go 65% stock, 35% bonds and cash. I'd visit it twice a year to make sure those allocations were correct. And maybe have all of your new deposits go into 100% stock. Fair enough. But yeah. I would move it down yeah. to 65, but, uh, but think, 35. But if you, it's helpful to think about it like this, too. Let's say you retire in six or seven years. You're not going to spend this million dollars your first year in retirement. You're you're not. In fact, that 35% that you have in bonds will allow you to take withdrawals regardless of where the market conditions are in the equities. You could go 10 to 15 years before touching stocks, which is, matter of fact, there's never been a 15-year period of time where stocks have not outperformed bonds. And in an interest rate where bonds are almost nothing. And the rest of it's emotional. And you know so, that how you reacted in 2008 was emotional. But when your accounts are, are mixed, like, like a 401k with a bunch of different things, yeah. and you make withdrawals, 
you, you can't. Can you choose which? Oh yeah, fund you're withdrawing? you can. Oh, but yeah. also, but, but by just doing a simple rebalance each time, it it, it accomplishes the same. But no, effect. you but absolutely you can. can. I mean, you absolutely can. In fact, that when you retire, you're going to actually move that money out of a 401k into an IRA, and you have even yeah. more flexibility. So it, yeah. it, the idea of leaving money in a 401k is kind of it's antiquated. Well, it's an easy oh, okay. approach. You wouldn't do it. Of course not. <laughs> right? <laughs> but uh, and, if and so, someone is an unsophisticated investor, has no one to trust, it's not a large account, it's this way. But Chris is bright. I understand that. I mean, the mere <laughs> fact that she knew her allocations mm-hmm. is impressive. And you learned a lot through the financial crisis. Oh, yeah, I really did. I really did. And that's why I didn't touch it in 2020. And I'm so glad because I had right? all kinds of people tell me. It was oh, hard. you got to move the cash. But and- you, you oh, think yeah, about yeah. this, Don't though. listen to them. These, right, right? Interest rates right now are, how much do you earn in the bank right now? What was that? How much, how much do you earn on your money that's in the bank right now? <sighs> Not even 2%. Okay. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Nothing, right? You, those returns you received last year is because you own stocks and the cost that, that – there's a cost. There's no such thing as a free lunch in anything in life, right? There's, so the cost for that is for you having to with, withstand and endure the ups and downs of the portfolio. That truly is the cost. So it, and when you excess can, returns over cash, the cost is risk. And that risk, if you are diversified, the risk is really a short-term decline. They always have been short-term declines. But if you think about it, like, wait a minute – that's right. This is what I'm paying for those extra returns. This level of uncomfort I have to deal with, that's the cost I have to pay to get the excess returns. If you can view it that way, then the next time there's a downturn, you won't have the same reaction. You'll say, wait a minute, I've lived through this before. I realize yeah. that these are temporary. It's going to look different next time. It's going to be ugly. There, who knows when it'll come, but it'll come. It's going to look ugly. Your friends are going to tell you, Chris, you're crazy. You're cl- so close to retirement. Why are you betting your retirement? We pulled our money out last week. You're foolish. You'll hear all those things. You, you know, Chris, on a personal note, when the markets tanked last time, I increased my equity exposure uh, significantly. Well, all of our cl- clients did because of through our rebalance process. Understand. But where I would normally be 60% stock in, in my own portfolio, 70. I can't say all, but anyway. 70 to 30. I. Mm-hmm. I, I have no emotional attachment to my own portfolio whatsoever. I just don't. I it, it, it doesn't bother me when it goes down, and it, I don't get excited when it goes up. It's just, but the last decline and in uh, the last economic crisis, uh, the same thing. I just like this is the greatest time in the world to buy. Yeah, I actually did that. I because I, I was one of the ones lucky enough to have my job all last year, so I actually increased and just. Was buying as you know in my four hundred and one k. Brilliant! You know, I figured this is the time, right? Thank you. you know, Brilliant. Eventually, go, ah! go back up, but maybe <laughs> I changed my mind again. I think you might be seventy five twenty five for the long term. <laughs> Seriously, you... I gotta get I gotta get more brave. I guess it's it's, it's, it's all a life, based it's a life lesson I learned the hard way for sure. Right, that's good though. That's good. Better right. to learn it now than when when you were forty two as opposed to fifty seven. Yeah, but I the, the only thing I would do is. Keep it between 65 and 75% stock. And, uh, and think about how much money that is outside of the stock market, right? Make sure you're fairly conservative in those things. And then when the markets are falling, and they will, I don't know if it's this year, next year, who knows, right? But look, considering the last 20 years, we had two declines of roughly 50%. If I were planning my retirement over the next 20 years, I would plan there's probably going to be a couple of declines of close to 50%. Would you worry about it? No, I wouldn't worry about it. Why? Because there's nothing I can do. That's just the reality. That's, and I know that timing the market doesn't work. There's no, if, if we could say, look, now's the time to get out. Now's the time to get in. That would be fantastic. But nobody can do that successfully over the long period of time. They might get lucky once or twice. As was evidenced by 2020 when the markets went on an absolute tear, fastest bear market in. It's the shortest, yeah, the quickest recovery ever. Ever, ever. And if you. Shocked. Yeah, we were right? all shocked. I'm yeah. in the industry and I was shocked. Oh, uh, <laughs> I, I was having a conversation with a friend uh, two days ago. I said, I don't understand how this stock market is doing as well as it's doing. And he said, well, this is what you do for a living, Pat. I'm like, yeah. But well, you do understand because you understand what drives it's, it's human emotion. That's what, it's behavior. It's herd mentality. All those things are what drive prices. short I don't understand how it's doing so well when the fundamentals aren't there. 
If one thing that shows you the fundamentals and prices are totally irrelevant to one another over short term. There's going to be a big crash. Oh, sure. I know it. I know it. Absolutely know it. But I don't. I believe it. That's look. look, But I believe the best way to go through that is not to try to time it. It's to it's Mm -hmm. to have your long term investments. Uh, ride the ride through the storm, but but Chris, the question isn't do we believe it's going to happen because we believe it's going to happen. The question you should when? be asking is when. Yeah, and I have no idea, not yeah. a clue. Well, you shouldn't be begin. asking. It doesn't matter if your portfolio is set up in such a manner. You've got the discipline going in. You rebalance periodically. Well, when did we? How many times did we rebalance our portfolio? Three or four. four. All of our qualified accounts. Everything in IRAs, which means well, the vast majority. There might be some outliers, so I don't yeah. want to put some. okay. So um, what that means is that, you know how you look at your portfolio and you measured your stock to bond ratios, yeah. right? We, mm-hmm. we rebalanced our portfolios three to four times last year. In February, because the markets had run up and our, our stock exposure got too high. Not because we thought the downturn was coming. It was just the fact that, look, if someone was supposed to be 60% in stock, their portfolio drifted to the point where they're 64 or five or whatever the number was. We sold mm-hmm. off some stock and it, it wasn't because we were predicting the peak. It was just that now we had higher percentage than we want. Then was we the plan. had a discipline going in. Then we, the market had this tremendous sell-off so quickly. We did another rebalance like three weeks later, where we bought more stock. Not because we saw the bottom coming, we knew that this was the bottom. It was just now that we, we had less than sixty percent because the market's full. So we sold off some bonds, yeah. bought some more stocks, and just that process of a rebalance. It, 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 it did what? Well. It was yeah. I mean, it was great. Um, but you should have the same discipline if you're managing your own money. And I think you have the ability. So quite frankly, you should run your portfolio through a screen four times a year. Okay. A minimum of twice. Minimum and, of twice. And I think over the next 20 years, you'd be better off sticking in 75%. Stop. That's right. But you have to realize that you're going to see some bigger swings in that account. And it could be next week. Nobody knows. And I would anticipate a 50% decline in stock values. At some point in time. Just because we had it twice the last 20 years. Why wouldn't you anticipate it By the way, Chris, you've done a great job with your savings. You should be proud of yourself. You should go back to your husband right now and just say, I'm a stud. (laughs) I I do a great job. Yes. I know he said, I told him I was going to be on your show. He's like, oh, I'm going to have to get your autograph after. (laughs) Right. Yeah, and, good job. And, yeah. I, and I am the saver. He and he's great about just letting me handle it because even with his, I get on and and I've I just increased his to like seventeen percent. You know, I just I'm always trying to. Oh, good. You know, he 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 would spend it all if he could, but he he. But we do like the, the to saver, Pat's so. point. Well, good. You probably balance each other out. He helps you have a little yeah. fun sometimes. Uh, to Pat's point, if you can if you can swing it to where you get the house paid off by the time you retire. Brilliant. Even if you took slightly less deposit in your 401k to get it done. Exactly. It's just you need less money in retirement. It's That's easy, right. Our retirement Money easier. not going out in retirement is exactly the same as money coming in. And having yeah, no mortgage true. at that's, the house. That's great advice. Well, um, thank you. And then, I, I don't know, do I have time for one more second? <laughs> I go ahead. Sure. I really, yeah. <laughs> um, so my husband does have a pension because he works at a large hospital system in the Denver area that he would get. And it's nothing next to the pensions I've heard people talking about on your show, but um, I guess I'm a little nervous because I don't, I wonder, is there any chance that could go away? Yes. I mean, if it's a, if it's a reputable company, is it <laughs> like said yes, I said no, 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 no. It, it's guaranteed <laughs> by the PBGC, yeah. which is the pension benefit guarantee corporation. The yeah. smaller the pension, the bigger the guarantee That's right. is. So I would not worry about but it. I, so the, the, can it happen? Yes, it can happen. Statistical uh, chance. Uh, there is, it can happen. The statistical chance of if the company went bankrupt, the pension benefit guarantee corporation took over the obligation for them not being able to make the, the pay, make the pen. The, my, the my, my the own father, worked at Levitt's Furniture. You remember the, uh, you'll love it at Levitt's. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. His check in retirement came from the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation. The company w- was insolvent. Uh, the, Does Levitt's no longer exist? I don't. you love it at Levitt's. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> All I remember is I, we could get furniture at cost. That was the best thing about <laughs> my dad's job at Levitt's. But uh, his check came from the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation. The smaller the pension, the older he is, your husband is when he retires, the bigger the guarantees. But these airline pilots that were forced into retirement at age 60 that worked for United in America, and they had substantial decreases in their pension. 
It's uh, similar. Think about it like the, the FDIC insurance on on bank accounts. So They're if his limited. pension's less than let's say two thousand dollars a month, I wouldn't worry about it. Nope, I'd have no worry. Yeah. Well, that's good, and but and Social Security is a whole other story. We probably can't really count oh, on that. Yeah, now you'll be fine. You'll be fine. You're 57. <laughs> it is, you know, it the 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 benefits of Social Security. Um, the day you should worry is when they stop sending checks to people that make over a hundred thousand dollars a year, and that will happen. There will be a time where they at uh, some level it needs based uh, Social Security. I don't know how else yeah. we I don't know how else we navigate yeah. through it. Yeah, Alrighty. there's only so much yeah. you can tax young workers. <laughs> So I appreciate appreciate yeah. the call. Let's talk now with Samantha. Samantha, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hi, Scott and Pat. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you, Samantha. Um, my husband and I have been discussing whether or not we should keep our 30-year term life insurance policies. Okay. Uh, currently, we have 10 years left, and the policies are $200,000 each. We pay a total of $650 a year. A year. A year on each one of them. No, between the two. For no, both. To- total. Okay. So um, we have for the next ten years, we'd be paying sixty five hundred yeah. for the next ten years. <clears throat> How old are you and your husband? Um, um, I'm forty nine. My husband's fifty one. We plan to retire in about three years. We don't have any dependents. Good health. Own our own home. Still working right now, but. Um, and if you're, if you're, uh, let's, uh, heaven forbid your husband, uh, died today from a financial, yeah, heaven forbid. <laughs> <laughs> from a fin- we're talking about life insurance. I mean, so he died. I mean, that's what we're talking about, right? If you're, yes, we are. <laughs> yeah, that is what we're talking about. So he dies today, uh, from a financial standpoint, would you be, how, how would things be for you? Um, from, from what I gather, if he dies today, because we work for the state of California, that I would be getting a monthly payment of 2,500 plus five, uh, like a set $5,000 from what I understand. But that is, and that's till the day I die that I would get that monthly payment. And both you have but normal I, health. Yeah, we're both in good have, health. Have you um, shopped this at all? Did you go to Pardon? like? Have you, no, they've had it for twenty. No, years. No, I know, but have you gone to see what it would it would it would cost to replace it on Select Quote? My guess is it's going uh, to be more expensive on Select Quote. It might be more expensive yeah, no. today. <clears throat> I mean, well, the reason that we actually had gotten these um, policies was back twenty kids. years ago. Yeah. Was when we got the home um, when we purchased our home. Yeah, I and understand. How how much do you guys owe on your home? Uh, zero. We own it. How much do you have in your 401ks or 457s? Between uh, the two, yeah. About 1.7 1. 1. total. Yeah, I can't and you both it. have pensions? Yeah, the, yes, we do. Yeah, I wouldn't. And you're both vested? Your pensions? Yes. Yeah, cancel. I wouldn't have them. You yeah. wouldn't buy these today. You wouldn't buy them. You don't need them. I mean, the reality, okay. you, you, life insurance is, is, to, is designed to predict, replace an income stream that's tied to someone's uh, life, right? So that either through wages or through a pension that would cease upon someone's death. But if you're both in a situation where a survivor would receive a survivor's pension benefit. And you have that much money in your 401k or 457 and your home is paid for. And my guess is that you're saving significant amounts of money on a um, monthly basis. There's no need for it. That's true. Right? Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's a, yeah. No. So, so even if I like, let's say, kept his policy, if you I want, still be good. Yeah. If you no, want, I'm <laughs> if you want, just don't tell him. But yeah. and yeah, actually, but no. I think Samantha. In another day, I'll actually uh, take twenty minutes, and you can call me, and I'll explain the history of life insurance. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> you bought a term policy because you needed it for a term of of your life, right? You need it for a certain period. You didn't need it. You don't want to pay for a whole life policy that's going to have to cost you a fortune knowing the insurance company is going to pay it when you're 90 years old. So you've satisfied that period. Yeah. You just so chose to have a 30 year. And, and the term is, mm-hmm. and you, you, you don't need your objective in a shorter period of time. Yeah, I'd cancel it. Cancel. Okay. Right. You, know, you could choose Pretty to get a much. physical ahead of time to make sure there's nothing weird, but probably. Oh, 
Yeah, I, yeah, I actually didn't think of that. I mean, I was just kind of, like I said, we were just kind of discussing whether we should keep it or not. Because I mean, we're, uh, for lack of a better way of saying it, we're thinking, why should we yeah. pay for insurance? I mean, what's the chance of them paying it out? It's almost no, it's almost zero. You're paying six hundred fifty dollars a year for four hundred thousand dollars worth of life insurance. You think that is a good chance you get dying in the next ten years? No, it's minuscule. No. You can just tell by your premiums. No. So yeah, right. but don't call me cancel. Just quit baking the premium payments. Oh, just quit paying. Yeah, just don't pay quit. Yeah, just don't pay it anymore. Let it, it lapse. Yeah. That way, if something happens to you in the lapse period, you still got coverage. <laughs> That's right. Okay. That's just squeezing the last little dime out of that thing. <laughs> All right, Samantha. <laughs> Glad you called. Wish you well. All right. All right. Thank Thanks. you very much. Right. We need to take a quick break. Um, this is what we're supposed to do in the program. And when we come back, we'll continue on with All Worth Money Matters. Stick around. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen, Pat McClain. Hey, we want to talk, um, at the end of the program, we're going to spend a couple minutes on the Fed, Federal Reserve, and this was, which was called quantitative easing. I don't think you hear that much going on, but that's essentially what they've still been doing, going out and buying bonds. And now that we're expected to reach $9 trillion by the end of next year. So we'll talk that, and we're um, going to listen to some great calls here in the program. So let's uh, talk with Charles. Charles, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. I'm approximately two years away from retirement, and I'm looking at moving out of the country and retiring in Southeast Asia. Okay. And my Which country? I'm looking at Thailand. <clears throat> so... When I, my question is, I have a 401k that uh, has approximately $130,000 in it, and I'm thinking of using it to buy a condo over in Van. How old are you? I am 64. And where will your income come from when, once you retire? I have... Uh, uh, basically, I'm going to get Social Security approximately twenty five hundred, and I have an annuity with an income writer of uh, two hundred and fifty thousand. What's the income writer? Um, it would bring me a thousand dollars a month. And are you single? I'm single. How long ago did you purchase this annuity? Uh, five years ago. So, and how much would the house cost you? Um, approximately, at the very, probably at the most, 100000 for a nice uh, one-bedroom condo over there. And do you own a home here? I own a condo in Sacramento, uh, and it's paid clear. And what would you do with that condo when you moved to Southeast Asia? I'm thinking I would rent it out here so I can make a little income off of that. And what's the value of the condo? Uh, 160000 And how much income does it produce? Nothing now you're living if in. If I was to, to rent it, I could probably uh, rent it out now for about uh, 1300 1400 a month. What did you pay for it? I paid uh, uh, sickening 30000 for it. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I got it Let's talk about that. A short sale. Let's talk about that real quick. So if you sell, let's say it's two years from now, you're retired. If you sold that condo, all that capital gain that you just $130,000 of capital gain is forgiven because it's been your primary residence. If you convert okay. that to a, an investment property and down the road, you sell it, all that gain is going to be taxable to you. Unless you, unless you own it till you die. The challenge well, that's, with, that's I, I, I like where you're going with this. The, the challenge with the 401k is that it's, although it says it's 130000 it's not really 130000 right. Especially if you take it out all in one year. You've got a right. silent silent partner. 
I, someone's got to pay pay for this COVID relief bills, right? So, <laughs> but the challenge the challenge is that tax on that one hundred thirty thousand might be anywhere from twelve percent to thirty percent, depending on how much you take in any one year. And what right. other assets are there in the uh, the household? Um, that's about it. I have all I have. Um... Uh, savings with twenty five k. Okay, so uh, so um, so. It, 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 I mean, I wish all your savings wouldn't tie them to this annuity. Yeah, but but Scott, but that's right. the first place I'd go because he's got a he bought it five years ago. I'm sixty four. Yeah, he bought it five years ago. There's a surrender charge on it. It's probably seven years. Right. So there's so many you gotta, ways you got to look at that. Annuity there's so first. many ways you could. The first place I would go is the annuity. The second place I would go is if I could percent, a hundred percent. The second place I would go if I couldn't do the annuity would be uh, probably taking a, a new mortgage. If you continue to decided to hold this condo, which may or may not be the right thing based on tax and that you'd have to decide that you're probably going to own this until your dying day. And I have no idea what foreign ownership of condos in Thailand, the rules, the local rules are. Oh, under, understood, but the right. condo that he's okay. got living in now, whether to convert it to a rental or not. But what would be wrong with actually um, either taking the money out of the annuity, which is, by the way, the first place I would look. First place. I wouldn't even, wouldn't go further than that. If Unless there were big penalties on this annuity, um, depending upon how bad the damage is, which is one of the reasons we don't like annuities is because they're expensive mm -hmm. many times, not always, but many times to get out of. You, there, the other technique you could do is you could take a new mortgage out on the existing condo while you live in it. Yep. Right. And then you could actually use the distributions from the IRO over periods of years in order to pay that mortgage yeah. down. So have your 401k, let's say the mortgage payments, 600 bucks a month, have the 401k, take the same 600 bucks a month out of that 401k to make that mortgage payment. And that way you're not driving yourself up into like a higher marginal idea. record. But, but, but you got to look at the annuity, but, but my guess is that it may be a combination of two of these, but the first place, if you were sitting in my office, you gotta, I mean, that sometimes you, that, that annuity, the, the benefits might be significant enough that it, he's single to actually keep it there. I know, but he only bought it five years ago, and it's got a guaranteed minimum income benefit rider on it, Probably which isn't, which is, which is sounds. And he said it's a thousand dollars a month on a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar annuity, Don't which see. is four percent. So you need you need to you need to sit down with a financial advisor and dig through all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. if you were sitting, not in, someone is going to sell you an annuity. Yeah, product, yeah. If you were sitting in my office, I know exactly the 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 chain of questions I would go through. First would be the annuity. How, what's the cost to get out? What's the value of the GMIB, the guaranteed minimum income benefit? What is the cost of that? If if it's not too expensive to get out of that, then we would just hit the annuity, pay for cash for the house in Southeast Asia, Thailand, call it a day. Right. Then we discuss the, uh, the tax implications of keeping, converting the condo into a rental property, and the, the ups and downs. With the annuity, there could be... The problem with these contracts are so complex and everyone's different, but sometimes if you take out more than, say, 10% of the contract, it collapses all the, the guarantees that you've got built in place. So you've got to, you've got to, that's why they're, they're really easy to get in. They're hard to get out of. So you got to be, okay. so we're not big fans of those products because but, of some of these reasons. But, the last, but now you own it. So but, now the best, now we got to figure out the best way to manage but it. But the question you called with is, can I use my 401k? Be the last place I'd go. It'd be the last place I went. Okay. The last Good. place. Um, and there's a, odds are either one or two things, my opinion. If you're my brother, I'd say either sell that condo here and use those dollars or get a mortgage on it. Probably now while rates are low, we know what they are. Yep. Right. Then let's take a distribution once you retire from that 401k to cover that mortgage payment. Yep. And or the annuity. Take a distribution yeah, from and well, or one the annuity. The reason I was trying to keep the condo is because in Thailand, if things change or, you know, when they the change, the world change in the future, I could always come back. Okay. Well, then you answered the question yeah, there. Then definitely now we it. strike that one off the list of alternatives. So now we're down to, right, you're not going to sell the condo. Do you, do, you, do you put collateral, use the condo as collateral? Um, or just take the, or take the money I out mean, of the annuity. Of it, if your annuity has been aggressively invested, markets are high, good time to t take some cash out. 
that's probably where you'll end up. But it, it, you got to look through all these things and really dig in to see what, if you take the money out of the annuity, what are the costs, not just costs and surrender costs, what are the costs as far as what's it going to do to the guaranteed income benefit that you've yeah. got built in there? Which so, is, right. but the answer to your question is no on the 401k. Don't take a lump sum on that. You won't have enough money. The taxes will eat you alive on it. It'll be disastrous. So. All righty. You can't take it in one year. It just does not work well. So glad you called Charles. We're talking now with Steve. Steve, you're the Scott Hansen and Pat McLean, All Worth's Money Matters. Hi, Scott and Pat. Hi. When I retire in the next year or so, I should have about 750K in my 401K. And I'd like to take about one or 200,000 and put it in a home, home improvement vacation fund. But with the remaining money, I need, I need about $2,400 a month additional income to supplement my pension. Is that doable? So, first of all, taking the money out. Well, when you say taking the money out for home improvements, you mean cashing out uh, the four hundred one k, paying taxes on it, and then doing the home improvements. Is that what you're saying? Well, I'd, I'd rather convert it and not pay the taxes up front, and just have that money sitting in an account that I can access it easily. So you're not going to recognize the gain. In your mind, you're splitting the IRA up, one to provide income or the 401k up, and another part that you could draw on for supplementary expenses. Correct. So I'd have about 550000 that I would somehow need to get net $2,000 a month. Yeah, that, I mean, that. I don't think that's that's a 4.3% um, distribution rate. I don't think that's unrealistic, depending upon – how the portfolio is invested. Um, you you have a pension as well, right? A very small pension, yeah. Uh, but I've gone over all of our, our finances, and this is what I've come up with. I would like to supplement about $2,000 $2, a month net. How old are you? 58. And when do you retire? Well, I was going to wait till I was 59 and a half, so I don't have to... So for the ten percent, and what? How much is your four hundred one k balance today? Seven sixty. Okay, I was just concerned that you were expecting it to continue to grow another year. And uh, have you no, no. have you factored social security benefits into this I have, your income? I have. Yes, I have. I mean, and, so one thing to so if you were sixty eight with a larger pension, I'd be much more comfortable. 4.3% sounds like a low distribution rate, but the challenge, we're, we're in a very low interest rate environment right now. I'm confident that over the long term, you can do that and have it grow with inflation. But in order to do that, you have to have the portfolio has to be invested with some stocks in it. It has It's going to be volatile and you're going to have to be comfortable living with that. Um, and are you going to lower your monthly distribution once Social Security kicks in or are you going to keep it the same? I'd like to keep it the same. I, I don't actually need 2000 a month, but in order to sustain the lifestyle we're used yeah. to and maybe have some extras. Um, what do you owe in your yeah, house? Uh, $220. And with the repairs you're planning on doing um, to the house, the, the challenge is taking a hundred or 200000 out of the 401k is all going to be taxed as income. So you might end up losing 40% of that, depending on how much you take out in any one year. Here's, a, I, I mean, I think you could probably accomplish the things you want to accomplish. It's tight, though. It's a little tight. I mean, if you, were, if you worked a few more years, you'd probably, well, here's what I would highly recommend. Get a, have a financial advisor that's, that specializes in retirement planning. Create some plan. Not someone who's selling product, by the way, because guys who sell annuities and stuff to... But, well, well, I have I have my uh, my four hundred one k through Fidelity, so I have been speaking with yeah, but they're not Fidelity. They're just talking about investments. What what you want to do is what if scenarios, uh, planning all this out, right? When Social Security right. kicks in, what's that going to look like? Like maybe you take a little more from your four hundred one k between now and the time Social Security kicks in, and then lower it back down. Like so, you can do a lot of different what if scenarios. What if you what if you left today? What if you worked for another four years? And you can map all that out so you can make an informed decision. I would approach it from that angle first, and then back into these other Be, because the, the the scenario you laid out is is possible, but it is tight. It's, it's not. It would be a horrible idea to take two hundred grand out of your four hundred one k 
uh, in one year to do house. It would be the worst way to pay for it because of the tax consequences. Well, I don't really have any home improvement. I, I was just calling it a home improvement slash vacation fund. But I would ah, like to set okay. So you don't have it earmarked no. for anything? No, no. Oh, no, I, just I feel to, much I just more comfortable with that. If I were to walk into your office today and give you this scenario, would you be able to sit down with me and, and on paper show me how I would have the supplemental income? Yes. For the rest of yeah. My life? Yes. Yeah. And yeah, more but, so, probably using a software program where you can play different scenarios. Yeah, you sit down and, with the. And what happens if you have another financial crisis occurred? And so, how would that? And so, the the idea is to give you the highest probability of success in retirement. Any good financial advisor, any good financial plan is really about probabilities, having the highest uh, degree of, of probabilities for success in retirement. So that's he, what we can, I mean, as financial advisors, we care about when you're 68 or 78 or 88 and making sure you're in the right place there. So I would strongly recommend uh, going through that financial planning process. I mean, you're like, it's the, it, it would help you whether you're or not, you just chose to hire an advisor, but I think it would help you immensely just going through this, this process. All right. Yeah, the problem is not many people are having in-office visits right now. Oh, they can do it remotely. Yeah. We have and, and, 70 and advisors that, across that, the U.S. That, that are doing these meetings remotely. And that will change probably within weeks. We're going to Joanna. Joanna, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? We're good. How are you, Joanna? Good. Um, let's see. I have a question in regards to um, purchasing service credit. I work for the state of California. And so I have four years of service credit that's avail available to me to purchase. Uh, so it, so let, let, uh, understand this. You left the workforce at some point in time and cashed that in. Is that why it is available to purchase? It's available from my military. Experience. Okay, Got thank it. you. Bridge. It's bridge service. Okay, perfect. Thank you. All right, uh -huh. the question. I know what the answer is going to be. I do, too, but go ahead. With but the ask the oh, question. Oh, okay. Well, my question was just, is this something that I should be looking into? Buy as much as you possibly can. And if you don't want to do it with your money, I'd love to do it with my money. Let's work out some sort of a deal. All day long. Okay. It's that good of a deal. It is unbelievable. It is really? the highest rate of return you will ever get on your money. And when it was available, uh, they used to be able to buy five years of service time. Uh, now this is for the state of California. State plan. of California. State for other but if, if you work at a municipality or a government where they offer you what's called service credit that you could purchase, or in this particular situation, it's bridged uh, for Joanna, mm -hmm. um, it, the unbelievable rates of return. So now I mean, kind of like really? eight eight percent with the guaranteed cost of living adjustment. Yeah, and the reason is is because the formulas uh, for your pension are based on years of service and age, and if you look at the grid, the further you get up into the right, it accelerates really, really fast. So the anything you could okay. add to that actually helps you. Now the second question is, what money do I use to purchase this? Right. Exactly. Where is your? Do you have money in a four hundred one k now? Or 457. Yes, I do. How much? Um, total, I'd say about 38. All right. And what's the cost of the uh, bridged years, four years credit? It is 44868 Okay. And so do you have any money outside of the 457 that you could use? Um, I have a separate account through Averta and Fidelity. And how much is there? Um, I'd say about 60, 60,000 oh, or so. Perfect. And is would, it, and how's it in, it's not in an IRA, it's in a brokerage account, correct? It's outside of an IRA or it's an inside an IRA? It is a, I think it's a tra traditional and then I have a Roth IRA. Okay. So you could pay for it two ways. Scott, do you have an opinion on this? I'm thinking that she just takes it out of her paycheck to do it. Yeah, how much is it if you take it out of your paycheck? A month. Um, it depends on definitely the month. So if I were to do it for, I mean, it says for even here, 15 years. How old are you? Almost 44. Yeah. And how, have you bought it over 15 years? What would that cost you? It would be about uh 400. And what's the cost of money on that? Do you know? 
Uh, is it three percent or two percent? So there's a. Yeah. So oh, what happened? A, it says seven percent interest. Okay. Then All right. Don't, we don't want to buy it over time. We don't want to buy it over time. You're going to use the money at Fidelity, the money in the IRA, or if you have an if you have an account, it's what forty four thousand. You said. Yes. If you have one account that's $44,000 or slightly higher, I'd use that account. That's right. Just to make it simple. Yep. yep. I would definitely okay. buy this. Yeah, and I wouldn't Joanna, buy it over time. I feel oh, so wow. strong. So at Allworth, we manage uh, close to $11 billion for our clients. If I could take that $11 billion and run it through your scheme, we would have every penny invested in these. Every dime. When, when this was oh, available wow, okay. years ago to our clients, I used to call it a Because it nice used to be you bet. could just buy extra five years. Five years. An additional five years. You didn't need to bridge service or have a gap in service. You can buy an extra five years. Yeah. And we did it. Uh, uh, it I had arguments clients, with many clients like, trust me, <laughs> I want you to take the money away from me and put it there. You're going to earn more there. Assuming they had a normal life expectancy. Yes. Okay. All right. So do it. Use the money in the uh, IRA. And if you need any help, just call our office and we'll have someone walk through which account to use. And you'll just email over the accounts and then they'll tell you exactly which ones to use. All righty. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thanks for your service. Yeah. Um, Yes. Thank you for that, too. Thank you. Thank you. We're talking with Rick. Rick, you're with Scott Hansen and Pat McClain, All Worth Money Matters. Hello. How you doing? Hi, Rick. What can we do for you? How are you? We are good. Okay, just a. This is a tough one, I think. I don't know. Uh, my mother-in-law owned a condo, and uh, so some twenty years ago, my brother-in-law had the idea of putting the condo in his his name as my wife's name, in case something happened to their mother. Well, twenty some years later, she's still kicking, and uh, they had to put her in a uh, assisted living, so they had to sell the home to pay for it. Uh huh. And now we're probably going to get taxed. Oh yes, that that's right. And and the, you know it's not that they want to keep the money. I mean the money's for her for her care, but the more we pay out in tax and things, the less money we have for her care. And the way she's going, she's 103 and she ain't 103. Yes, and how, she's healthy as uh, as can be. How how long ago did your brother-in-law do this? He did it like twenty some years ago. Yeah, that was a bad she idea. Was in her eighties. What was the value of yeah, the house? It was a very bad. Idea. What was the value of the house then, and what's the value of the house now? Well, it was it was valued around eighty grand then, and now it's valued at uh, they sold it for two forty nine. But the, but your cost basis is lower than eighty grand because That's it's right. actually what what whatever your mother in law's cost basis. Is. And so it could be twenty. So you might have a two hundred and thirty thousand dollars. Let's call it. A, let's call it a two hundred thousand dollar gain. That's a hundred thousand that flows through your tax return, and a hundred thousand that flows through your brother in law's tax return. And capital gains, and then state income tax. Is there a way around this, Scott? The sale's already done, right? The sale took place. Yeah. Well, they had they had to sell it in December. Uh, oh, yeah, so it took place. So it, it closed escrow in twenty twenty. Right, and she's been in the nursing home since like June or July of last year, and uh, and all the money I mean is in her checking account and goes to her care, uh, so they you know they pay her uh, monthly expenses for the uh, assisted living out of that money. Yep, and it's, I mean they have, they haven't taken a dime and probably won't. Yep, uh, I don't. I. <sighs> It, it, well, it was it was a bad idea. It was uh, some amateur oh, seen it. planning. Uh, I don't. I just don't know if there's a way around. It might make sense for you to reach out to. What are you going to do? It's it's not. It's twenty years. Yeah. It's not. It wasn't mom's asset any longer. Twenty some years ago, yeah. she gave her condo to her two children. They were kind enough to let her live there until Without she rent. until she couldn't be there anymore. Now she's not there. They sold it. It's, it's already done. Yep. It's sold. There's capital gains to report. That's just the, that's, there's no way around it. And and she was the only one that lived in the house. Yes. Yep. She was the only one. Yeah. Yep. I mean, one way to you could have structured in December. You could have figured out if there's a way to do an installment sale and sell fifty percent in December of 2020 and fifty percent in January of 2021. And you could have split the, the income out over two years. That's what I would have looked at at that's, the time. That's pretty smart, Scott. And I would have probably only accepted offers that would be willing to accommodate that. But it's done. It's a hot real estate market. But it's done. It's done. 
done, yeah. Yeah, it's going to cost you probably, I don't know, 25 grand. Depending on what the so is it smarter state to uh, divide it between the two? Well, well it is yeah, divided it between is the divided. two. You it's don't have any choice. 50-50. Yeah, right. Yeah, you don't have any choice in the matter. Yep. Unfortunately. This is uh, this yeah. is this is I, I I have seen this I don't know a dozen yeah. times a dozen times always after the fact by the way because when we see it before the right. fact we actually fix it yeah <clears throat> so sorry Rick. appreciate the call okay. yep all right we have a couple minutes left we said we want to talk about this here if you remember back to the financial crisis the Federal Reserve trying to do everything they can to keep the economy going started buying bonds in the open marketplace. The financial crisis, not the COVID crisis. No, no, no. This is going back to 2000. Called quantitative easing. And what happens when the feds, when they do that, they buy, let's say, a U.S. government bond, they take that bond out of circulation and they put into the market cash. It adds cash to the market. Expands the the, the, the cash. Well, it was supposed to be wound down after the financial crisis, never quite got wound down. And then when the, uh, our response to the pandemic, the epi- it started again. And but you didn't read much about it. Big ways. So in the first financial crisis, when did they start buying it? 2009? Yeah, 2009. Is when they and you'd hear QE, QE one, QE two, QE three, no, right, QE forty five. Right. You don't hear much about it anymore. But it has continued Not really to the pace of 120 billion dollars a month buying treasuries and mortgage-backed securities. Look, what this does is it keeps interest rates on the longer bonds low. artificially low. That's right. I shouldn't say artificially low. It keeps them low. But if they weren't buying it, the interest rates would be higher, therefore slowing the economy. And the question is, shouldn't we be slowing the economy a little bit now? Maybe we should let the natural forces take place? You think? You think government inter- intervention here is, makes, is good for the long term? You got to worry about inflation with this. Yep. Yep. It's something to keep an eye on. It really is. Anyway, we're out of time. It's good being here with you. This has been All Worth's Money Matters. We'll see you next week. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.